Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Psyched Mom podcast, where we help you understand your life and the lives of those around you. Today, I'm joined by three special guests to talk to you about parenting, childbirth, and everything in between. The three women here with me today are all mothers with varying experiences and expertise. This episode is for future and current mothers looking to feel a little less alone in this roller coaster of a journey. With that, let's get right into it. All right, our first guest here is Raya Singh. Raya, welcome and thank you for being on our show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your children first? Um, hello, well, namaste. I am Raya Singh. I am 44 years old and the mother of two children, Sara and Karthik. Karthik is currently in grade 12, and Sara is just a year older than Karthik. Such fun ages. Now, let's start off with hearing about your birth. How did you find your birthing experience? Um, well, painful, but of course it was worth it. My two little, you know, for me, they're always going to be little kids. Um, both of my deliveries were normal. Um, Sarah, she was born perfectly healthy and everyone was really happy. Uh, but when Karthik was born, um, as the delivery was before the due date, it was kind of like a tough time for all of us and he was actually kept in an incubator for almost two weeks and everyone was scared on what's gonna happen but it was honestly a miracle um and he has been healthy ever since so i would say it's going good that is so scary preterm babies are babies born at 37 weeks or sooner which would include kartik so when he was born, do you remember what his weight was and what kind of medical assistance did he get? Um, I would say he probably weighed around five pounds when he was born, um, which made the doctors concerned and we were concerned as well. Um, you know, well, I would say I had my family to go through everything, so it was confusing and a little harder, but with the help of my family and with God's grace everything went well and but you know after a couple of months he gained weight properly like normal babies and it was as I said like everything has been good so yeah yeah that's so relieving um the doctors were concerned probably because a newborn under five and a half pounds counts as a low birth weight this is commonly associated with some developmental risks but it sounds like he made a full recovery Yep, he really did. I'm so grateful. Okay, now let's talk about both of your kids as they got a little bit older. How would you say their experience was in school? Um, I would say, like, you know, initially when they're kids, you don't really see, you only look at them as their kids. But as they grow up, they try to, like, explore themselves and try to make you understand what they think about um, their own then you get to know them a little better so after you know when he got younger like it was like around 11 or 12 I would say like his studies Karthik he started getting like a little you know bad and like it started going downhill and initially as I said like when they're kids we just think that they just want attention and everything right. and that's why they're being lazy but because 
it was just being repetitive. We thought that we might as well, like, you know, go see a doctor. And yeah. then we realized um, that he had ADHD. So, yeah. Okay, well, that may sound scarier for parents initially than it really is. So let's go ahead and talk about it. ADHD is considered a learning disability where kids will struggle in a certain area, but not overall. ADHD in particular is shown as differences in the frontal lobe, which affects the kid's ability to concentrate and control their impulses. These learning disabilities are usually diagnosed at these school ages because, like you said, you don't really see it when they're young. They're just being kids. And school requires a lot of paying attention and sitting still, unlike before that. So during those school years, it can be pretty impactful, but usually in adulthood, it's a lot less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found the same thing um, working more closely with Karthik and Sara being there. Um, you know, well, I have also learned about these things, which in our generation, we didn't really talk about it, like, you know, visual learners or like audio learners and, you know, Karthik, at this point, after he was diagnosed, he started, like, he was, like, okay, I, you know, like, he just got this motivation by himself that he wanted to do, you know, figure things out on his own, which I'm very grateful that he was always thinking that we could help in some way, and he would ask for help. So he has been very successful figuring out what works best for him and the ways he can be more focused in class and get better in his studies so it has by like since then it has been uphill so far and I I'm like I'm pretty sure um that it's not gonna you know like be tempered any yeah 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 I'm so glad to hear that um the typical paths we see for kids with ADHD are training for those skills it sounds like the things that you were working on with him and sometimes going into counseling and sometimes medicine. Mm, yes, you're right. Okay, now, Raya, could I ask you about Sarah and Kartik growing up together? I mean, you're talking, you're asking me about, like, my kids growing up. This this is a topic that I could literally go on and on and never, you know, <laughs> yeah, not even yeah. ask for rest. Um, but, yeah, um, me and their father we were, you know, pretty much always busy with work new kids we need to you know like take care of everything else alongside them like we need to make sure that we can at least feed them two times a day definitely you know and times were hard for us so like we we used to be very busy with work but you know I would say like they were always there for each other and that helped them grow a lot um depending on each other which in a way is a little sadder to say like maybe you know, I also got got to learn about the attachment styles and everything from them, obviously. Yeah, and yeah. then it makes me feel like, you know, a little away from them, but still I'm happy to see about like how crazy Karate goes, you know, when just he's just watching Sarah play or like go playing together and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, that's an interesting point you bring up. Let's talk about those different types of play. So it sounds like Kartik was first participating in an onlooker type of play where he was just watching Sarah. And then when they started to play together, we have a couple different terms for that. There's parallel play where they're just kind of playing in the same area, but not playing the same thing or interacting with each other. 
There's an associative play where the children would be playing together but with different goals or ideas of what it is they're really doing. And then we have cooperative play where the children will play together trying to get the same results. Each of these types is very normal for kids to work through and it sounds like it's really good that they had each other. Mm -hmm. Well, with all those points, I would say like it was more of like, you know, onlooker to cooperative play that they went on. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like a brother-sister thing that goes on. Right. Like, they belong to each other and, like, they get along um, with each other. So, yeah. Well, that's amazing. And I think that that's all the questions I have for you today, Raya. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Sure. Anytime. Thank you. Okay, we now welcome Floor to the podcast. Floor, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. So, will you tell us a little bit about your background and about you and your child? Of course. Um, I'm currently 34 with a 12-year-old son. His name is Masaki, and he's my only child. He's currently in sixth grade here in Kenya. And how do you think he's liking his experience so far? Well, at first, he liked it. He was nervous starting school, but mostly I think he was nervous about making friends. Interesting. Now, is he more reserved or outgoing around new people, would you say? Hmm. Well, when he was younger, in the lower grades, he was in a smaller school, and most of them had all grown up together since kindergarten. He never really showed much interest in socializing with others, but he had few friends. Now that he's moved to a bigger school, I've noticed that he's more curious about his classmates. At home, he talks about what him and his friends have done, when before it was just... School was okay, Mom. So <laughs> so you've seen a major change in his social interactions over time, mm -hmm. maybe due to a change in his environment, and he became more open? Yeah, yeah. I think it's also because he's growing up and taking notice of what is cool. Apparently, when you're 12, the kind of shorts you wear for PE can result in social suicide. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you remember how distressing it was to be uncool? Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, we usually see this at ages 7 to 12. Children are further developing their theory of self, so who they are, and they're building their personalities, essentially. His social awareness and social comparison to others is increasing, mm -hmm. which sounds scary, yeah. but it really is a crucial part of growing up. It has been found that the formations of peer groups are actually really valuable to your son's social growth, even though it may be uncomfortable for him and for you to watch. In a peer group, kids tend to learn faster and they're overall happier. Friends really do teach each other academic and social skills, and it really is an important step that he's taking. Oh, that's so comforting to hear. It's just that he's always been such a reserved baby, so I worry. Because um, when he was small, he barely cried. And his dad is actually very similar. I always say they have the exact same personality, just like different generations and interests. <laughs> Well, it's actually really interesting that you say that because temperament is genetically inclined, believe it or not. Temperament is the precursor for personality, so it makes sense that he's still reserved after being a more reserved baby. Well, that makes so much sense. Um, well, if that's the case, I kind of worry I pass down my anxiety to him because he can get really stressed for a 12-year-old, I notice. How stressed are you talking? Okay, well, right now, for example, he's doing his exams and he still has signed up to work on, like, multiple performances that will happen after. He's always working on something, and I never see him just resting after school. 
Well, as a mother, there's always something to worry about or that we will worry about. But for Masaki, at this stage, let him feel it out first. This is a crucial point in their development where Erickson says that he's de developing fidelity. Mm -hmm. This means he's defining his identity through the activities he's involved in and how well he executes them for himself. This ultimately will build up his sense of self and his purpose. Just support him really well and try to help him work through things if you see him getting too stressed. There is a balance. Uh, but it's so hard because <laughs> he just kind of grew up and wants to do everything himself. It is hard right now, but it's such a good thing for Masaki to be learning. It means he's probably grown up with a secure attachment style and has the confidence to try these new things. Have you heard of the attachment styles before? Uh, well, yes and no, but could you tell me more of what they are? Yeah, of course. So, as of right now, there are four types. Mm -hmm. There's an insecure avoidant attachment style, where the child's needs have not been met and they will avoid their caregiver. Mm -hmm. Then there's an insecure resistant, where the child is angry when the caregiver leaves and returns, which comes from the child's needs being inconsistently met. Mm -hmm. Then we have a secure attachment, where the caregiver is a secure base for the child and the child feels com comfortable exploring for that reason. This results from the child's needs being met. Mm -hmm. And then we have a disorganized attachment, which is not normal and usually only happens when the parents are suffering from psychological disorders and the child has no idea what to expect from them. So Misaki most likely feels comfortable exploring these different different activities because he has a secure base. It's you. Oh, oh my god, thank you. Well, this has made me think so much about my upbringing as well. And it means a lot coming from someone who knows so much like you do. Well, of course. Thank you so much for your time and for talking with me. No problem. Thank you for having me on the show. Okay, and our next guest is Jinky. Jinky, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast today. Hi, um, I'm happy to be here and I'm glad to be of help to some other mothers out there. Yes, that's exactly our plan. So let's just get right into it. Could you tell me a little bit about yourself and about your children? Well, I am 48 years old right now and a single mother of three adopted children. Oh, how interesting. That gives us the perfect opportunity to talk all things adoption for other mothers out there in a similar situation. So if you don't mind me asking, mm -hmm. why did you choose adoption? Um, so I never really thought about marrying, but I've always been passionate about children. Uh, I used to take care of my younger siblings as the old oldest child, and I think that's where I got my confidence from. In being able to raise a child, it does not matter whether they're of my blood, they are my children. Oh, that's so beautiful. At what age did you adopt these children, and how old were they? Um, I adopted my first child when I was 25. Uh, I graduated at uh, 21 and had already a stable job after. Mm -hmm. And um, my first child was three at that time when I adopted her. And two years later, I adopted another, my second child, which, and she was two years old. Um, the plan was to have just two, but I really wanted to have another baby. So <laughs> we, together, um, with the approval of my Two children decided to adopt another. Um, my youngest is current is three years old when I first met her, and I was extremely happy having three of them. Oh, of course. How did you explain the concept of adoption to your children? I think that can be a difficult mm. thing for some parents to do. Mm, I 
always been very open about these kind of things. And I explained to my first two that they never came from mommy exactly, but they will always be my children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also encourage my children to ask me more about their biological parents if they want to. Um, there's this one time they ask why they don't look like each other and why they don't like look like me. <laughs> that is a scary question. <laughs> I thought I was prepared to answer these questions and I thought a lot about how I would phrase my words, how I would explain it without them getting hurt or without them feeling like they're undeserving of love and care. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, But eventually they came to understand that. Um, in my opinion, children are really smart and I think they kind of know that they are not my, you know, blood children, biological children, because they seem to recall that people who took care of them before me. And there are some people, you know, people notice that they are not my children because of what they look like, like we don't look like each other at all, or the siblings don't look like each other at all. Right. Well, children are definitely smarter than we give them credit for. What do you think the biggest challenge has been having adopted kids? In my opinion, it's not adopting that's really challenging. Well, at, at least for me, that's not the case. Um, the challenging part was motherhood, like being a single parent and all that. Though I did mention that I took care of my siblings before. It's not as easy as having kids of your own, you know. It requires much more than like taking care of your siblings. It requires more attention, requires more patience. It requires so much more. Oh, definitely. I think that's something all mothers can relate to. Do you think you could expand on some of those challenges? Oh, yeah. The biggest challenge for me was developing and building trust and sense of security with my children uh, because I did not have them from where from when they were born. They were unfamiliar with me and I was unfamiliar with them. Um, The biggest challenge I've had yet was with my youngest. Uh, Compared to the first two, the environment she grew up in was harsher. It was unsafe for a kid to grow up in. Um, She acted aloof, didn't voice her feelings, and just wanted to be by herself. And it's kind of saddening because, you know, she was only three years old. Yeah. So to me, it sounds like your youngest was practicing emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. So normally the parents take part in regulating children's emotions by hugging or rocking them. But it sounds like she did not have that in these other households. So she was not taught how to handle her emotions, and she must have had to figure them out herself, which would explain those behaviors, acting aloof, not telling you her feelings, wanting to be by herself. And it also sounds like she may have developed an insecure avoidant attachment style due to her previous environment. And if her needs were not met there, it would make sense for her to not care who was present and to want to avoid the caregiver Mm -hmm. and just be used to that sort of environment. Yeah, I think that pretty much explains, like, you know, what what she has been through and, like, why she is, she's like this now. Yeah. Because of, like, just... She grew up in this environment. It's just not easy, you know. As a, as a kid, it's not easy to, like, understand. But then I feel like she matured early at some point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that can be definitely a difficult obstacle. Um, how did you guys work on this? Oh, um, I, I think it was not me. Um, but I'm religious, so I think God is the one who made a way for us to to be closer. Yeah. And 
there's this one time I, I was at work and I got a call from my oldest kid saying that my youngest has gotten very sick and I was like really nervous. I had to rush and went back home so I, I could take her to the hospital. Um, we had to be there for a week to monitor her health and it was just her and I that whole week and I think we really made progress with her trusting me. At first she was still a bit resistant to physical contact but she's not as unwilling as before when I first met her and I remember I remember crying with her because of the stress of being in the hospital and and I think at one point I think she finally realized that she could rely on me at least because I was the only person that she knows there and that one week was indeed a blessing for both of us and she learned to trust me at least one step at a time and that's that's progress oh definitely i'm glad you guys were able to have that and be able to bond like that it sounds like she's really lucky to have you in her life now how is your relationship how has it been since then uh she's now six six years old and the most attached to me compared to her older siblings and I became more attentive to her after she was hospitalized because she needs she needs that she needs that compared to like her other siblings and um, she is a much livelier and healthier kid overall um, at this at this stage she's just like most kids you know with her mood swings and all that <laughs> but one thing about her is that she became the sweetest kid, always giving me hugs and kisses as if we haven't seen each other for so long when in fact I was just I was just outside cleaning our backyard. <laughs> <laughs> I I thought I was it was going to take much longer period of trust to develop, but I'm glad it didn't take as long and that she's more confident with herself and like with us as as a parent and with her siblings. Right. Well, I'm so happy for you guys. And I don't think I have any other questions for you today, but thank you so much for coming yeah. on our podcast and thank you for opening up to us. I am happy to be here and I'm glad I was of help. And to any mothers out there thinking about adoption, um, it has changed my life in the most amazing way. Okay, podcast family, with that, we have reached the end of our motherhood episode. As always, if you have any questions that did not get answered, leave us a comment. And just remember that development is so individual. Just because your experience is different than the mothers we've heard from today does not make it wrong. There are so many different situations and possibilities we could have gotten into, but we ran out of time. That does not make any experience any less valid. Okay, my friends, have a lovely rest of your day and thank you to my guests for joining me today. 